We're sitting at the kitchen table. Chloe's sitting across from me next to her mom. She's telling us about her treatment journey. Chloe's talking about the trips in and out of the hospitals and the long stays while she's at the hospital. And then Chloe looks up and she tells me something that will forever stay with me. She tells me something that will actually change the course of my entire life. She looks up and says, Nick, I've been battling leukemia for five months and I feel like I'm doing it all by myself. Welcome everyone to the part of our fabric, a podcast from Fleece and Thank You. This podcast captures all of the meaningful stories inside the world of Fleece and Thank You, and it provides an outlet for children and their families in the hospital to engage with content that supports their journey. With me for the premiere episode is the chair of the fundraising committee on the Fleece and Thank You Board of Directors, Mr. Paul Davis. Paul, thank you for joining me on this premiere episode of Part of Our Fabric. Well, it's great to be here. I appreciate everything you do and for having me. Uh, it's an exciting time. I know we've been talking about this for, for a while, and it, it's great to see it come to fruition. For sure, man. Agree with that. So I'm going to tell you guys a short bit about Paul here, and then we're going to give you the story. We're going to bring you the story of Fleece and Thank You uh, from inception to today, coming up to our five-year birthday, and tell you what, can, what you can expect from the podcast moving forward. So a little bit about Paul and, and why he's on the, the premiere episode with us here today. So Paul's a partner in the Podium Group Risk Management, which specializes in insurance strategies for athletes, C-level executives, and business owners. He's also a sales leader for Mass Mutual Great Lakes. Mass Mutual Great Lakes has been an incredible source of support for Fleece and Thank You. And Paul Davis and Mass Mutual Great, Great Lakes are our first generous sponsor for the podcast. So they've helped us to purchase the equipment needed to produce a quality show. So thank you so much to Paul and the team at Mass Mutual Great Lakes and Podium uh, for their ongoing support. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Paul. Yeah, no, it's uh, Fleece and Thank You has been a great partner uh, just in the first couple of years of this uh, uh, being a team together, and we're looking for, forward to many years to come and creating many more smiles. So we're definitely going to have a future episode where we break down Paul's journey because it is a, a wild one with tons of valuable insights and stories there. Um, a journey uh, that involves professional basketball here in the NBA, in the United States, around the world, um, and on all the way back to the insurance industry back here in Michigan. So uh, that'll be coming out in a future episode. But Paul, thanks for being on this one. And in this episode, uh, we really want to make sure that we accurately capture the journey of Fleece and Thank You, keeping in mind that we can only do our best to give you some of the milestones along the way, but we will not be able to appropriately give gratitude where it is due to the many, many people who have helped Fleece and Thank You along the way. And to all of those people, wherever in the world you are, thank you so much for contributing to Fleece and Thank You's growth in the past five years. It truly has been the sum of so many parts coming together to make this possible. And we have said for probably a year now, so many amazing stories happen underneath our roof and inside our world of Fleece and Thank You. 
And we are really excited for this podcast to be uh, a source that helps tell those amazing stories. So to get you guys started, I'm going to take you all the way back to 2010, right? I am uh, Nicholas Christock. For those of you who don't know, founder and executive director of Fleece and Thank You. And back in 2010, I was a student at Oakland University. I uh, played soccer there um, and I had a good group of friends and was sitting in my apartment in 2010 with my friends. And for the last couple of weekends, we had been talking about changing the world, right? And it's a conversation we hear so often. Everyone wants to change the world and we all should do what we can to change the world. We just didn't know in 2010 how we could possibly do that. So we did what every logical person thinks, well, to change the world, I probably need to start a charity, don't I? So we filed our paperwork to start a charity and on the mission line, we wrote, the mission of this charity is to change the world. And we sent it into the state of Michigan. We were super pumped. Two weeks later, we get a letter back from the state of Michigan. We all huddle around and we open it. And we open up the letter and it says, denied. Turns out you can't just start a charity to change the world. You have to specify in something. And as we're reading this rejection letter from the state of Michigan, our friend Kristen walks into the room. She says, guys, I don't know what you're doing. It doesn't look like anything important, but I need some help. I'm trying to go on a missions trip to Haiti and I can't afford my plane ticket. I need some help collecting cans and I need to collect a lot of cans. I need a thousand dollars for this flight. So we put our shoes on and we collect cans for Kristen and we ended up collecting cans the next five weekends. We collected 10,000 cans, enough for Kristen's $1,000 plane ticket to Haiti. And that was when my first charity started. It was called Gigs for Good. That was my first taste in starting a charity. Took that, ran with that for the next couple of years of college. And I get to the end of my college career. Now we're in 2013, 14. And like so many college students, I'm seeing graduation on the horizon and I have no idea what I'm going to do after I graduate. None of the opportunities in front of me seem like they're going to be my purpose. None of the opportunities in front of me were going to fulfill me, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do with this great life that I've been given. And it was around that time, midway through my final year in college, that this door opened up to play soccer overseas. It was not something I had ever thought about prior to then, but this was the only door that wasn't one of those doors in front of me here in the U.S. And so I took it. And I signed a contract for one year to play soccer in Australia. I flew there not knowing a soul on the continent, but I knew it was what I needed to do. And I spent so much time figuring myself out in that one year that I didn't have time to think about what I wanted to do when I got home. And so I signed a second year contract, went back to Australia for a second year. And it was in that second year that I really dove into the nonprofit space, specifically helping kids in the hospital. Now, at the time, I was close friends with someone who had gone through a cancer journey. And even though our conversations would get to a certain level of depth, there was still a certain part that I struggled to understand about her journey in the hospital. And so I started volunteering with charities that helped kids in the hospital just to try to understand my friend better. I met amazing kids while volunteering with charities like Make-A-Wish Australia and Camp Quality. 
amazing kids like Chloe, 15 years old and battling leukemia, or Sophie, four years old and facing neuroblastoma. For a kid like Chloe, she was going through a cancer journey during her teenage years. And for a kid like Sophie, all she had ever known was a life of cancer. I knew that we had to find a way to be there for these kids because it was that girl named Chloe who looked me in the eyes one day and said, Nick, I've been battling leukemia for five months and I feel like I'm doing it all by myself. On my flight home in 2015, I had a lot to think about. I knew I wanted to start something to help kids in the hospital like Chloe and like Sophie, but I didn't know what that was going to be. And from working in charity since 2010, I knew what not to do. I knew that the world has enough of charities doing the same thing. What charity does need is someone bringing a new idea in or solving a new problem in a new way. And as I land in Michigan, I get this text message from my twin sister. And she says, hey, Nick, when you're home and have some free time, you should make a blanket for a kid in the hospital. Now, my sister, she's my twin. She was a pediatric oncology nurse at Mott Children's Hospital here in Michigan, one of the premier children's hospitals in the country. I'm aggressively curious. I ask tons of questions. So I immediately started asking my sister questions. Well, how many blankets do you need? How often do you need them? Her answers back to me were, we always need blankets. They dramatically change the hospital room and we never have enough. And I'm scratching my head that one of the best hospitals in the country wouldn't have enough of something that they need for their kids. So I call every other hospital in the state of Michigan that served kids under 18. Picked up the phone and called them all. And everyone gave me the same answers. They said, Nick, we always need blankets. They dramatically change the room. And we never have enough. And from those calls, what I learned was that as a state, we see about 30,000 kids a year go into the hospital and have to stay overnight for some form of treatment. 30,000 kids. At the time, we were probably making about 5,000 blankets as a state. Those 5,000 blankets were going to the same three hospitals and were probably all being made in December and January. Yet there were kids getting sick all year round. So I knew this wasn't rocket science. We know how many kids get sick now. Let's start a nonprofit that's able to make one blanket for every child, that's able to make 30,000 blankets every year, year after year, so that every kid going into the hospital doesn't have to face the plain white sheets and the dark, scary room. And when they walk into that room, they see that color and comfort waiting on the bed for them. But what if we could give them more than just comfort? From talking with kids like Chloe and Sophie and their families, I learned that they also really, really needed connection. For most kids in the hospital, after the first two weeks of calls, visits, and messages, a lot of those start to go away and people go back to their routine. Wake up, go to work, work out. Oh, I forgot to call Sophie today. I'll call her again tomorrow. Yet those kids are still inside that hospital room, really feeling like the outside world has forgotten about them. So we had this idea, well, what if with every blanket we delivered, there could be a video message attached to it from the person that made it 
to the child that receives it? And what if that patient in the hospital and their family could actually send a message back to the blanket maker? And so we took this concept and we had our first event ever with a sorority up at Central Michigan University. It started with just one event. My cousin was on uh, the philanthropy board for Alpha Sigma Tau up at Central. And so I took 40 blankets up there and we made 40 blankets and 40 video messages. I took multiple cameras, had everyone send me videos after, put paper tags on the blankets and delivered them to Mott Children's Hospital two weeks later. And that was the first event and the first delivery. There were a lot of people at the start who said, Nick, it sounds like a great idea, but isn't it just a video? How do you know it's going to mean anything to the patients? And how do you even know they're going to send a message back? And at first, we didn't. We had no idea. We had no answer for that question. But just a week after that first hospital delivery to Mott Children's Hospital, it was a Thursday night, about 11 o'clock at night. I get a notification on my phone. It's an email from Alicia. And I open up the email. And in the email, she said, please send my message to Joey and Haley. And attached is a video. And I watched the video. And it's a 16-year-old girl named Alicia. And in her video, she says that she got rushed into the hospital that day under diabetic shock. Cupcakes were her favorite. She couldn't eat them right now. And she got this cupcake blanket made by Joey and Haley. And she just wanted to say thanks. And it was then that we knew there was nothing more that a 16-year-old girl wanted to do on a Thursday night at 11 o'clock than to thank the people that made her blanket that maybe we were onto something with this video and maybe it did mean something to these patients. And since the beginning, Fleece and Thank You has continued to grow and grow from my parents' basement to a small section of a landscaping warehouse to our first facility to our second facility. Our processes have ramped up and along the way we've realized that the back-end work that needs to get done to help Fleece and Thank You operate is a lot of simple, repeatable tasks. So we've actually engaged multiple organizations in the community that serve adults with a cognitive or physical impairment that actually send work crews to our warehouse now to help us fold and roll and process all of the back-end operations to get blanket kits out to events and finished blankets into hospitals. And the response from all of this has been absolutely unbelievable. We now are able to partner with 22 children's hospitals and units across the state of Michigan. We've had over 150,000 volunteers support our effort. We recently raised our $1 millionth dollar to comfort kids in the hospital. And we've now been able to provide comfort for over 70,000 kids, pushing forward every single day to that 30,000 blanket goal, 30,000 blankets every single year over and over so that every child in the state of Michigan, no matter what time of year they get sick, no matter where in the state they are, that they are guaranteed a blanket. And even throughout all of the growth over five years, there are still some people who say, yeah, but isn't it just a blanket? Can it really be that important? 
To them, we always give the story of our friend, Dane. Dane Dunford was from Liberty Center, Ohio. We learned about Dane in 2016 in February. Dane had actually beaten osteosarcoma a year prior. This time, his cancer was back, and this time, it was terminal. And it was going to be Dane's last Valentine's Day. So we reached out to all of our supporters, asking them to make a happy Valentine's Day message for Dane. We talked to Dane's family and learned that Star Wars was his favorite, so we made him a Star Wars blanket. And we said, we're going to take all these messages, mash them together in one big message, and attach that to the blanket. We received video messages of support for Dane, not just from across Metro Detroit, not just from Michigan, not just from the U.S., but from across the entire world. People sent Happy Valentine's Day messages to Dane, put them all together on one video, and I drove that blanket two and a half hours south to Liberty Center, Ohio, where I was able to give that to Dane, get to meet him and his family, and show him that people all around the world supported him. About a month after that day, I drove two and a half hours south back to Liberty Center, Ohio. This time, it was unfortunately for Dane's funeral. And as I walked into the church, he greeted his mom and his dad. And I looked to the right, and there was a table full of Dane's favorite things. And front and center on that table was his fleece and thank you blanket. And his parents told us about how it was the last thing that he hugged every night before he went to bed. And now it was the last thing that they got to hug every night before they went to bed. So for anyone who does ask, is it just a blanket? We always give the story of our friend, Dane Dunford. And the reality is for some of our blanket recipients, the story does end that way. But for so many others, the story ends in such a positive light. Take, for example, Sophie, one of the young girls that I had met early on in starting this journey. At the time, she was four years old, battling neuroblastoma. All she had ever known was a life of cancer. She had a port in her entire life and never was able to swim. Well, Sophie is now seven years old. For the first time in her life, she doesn't have a port. She can swim, and she is in remission. Throughout this journey, there's so many Chloe's, there's so many Danes, there's so many Sophie's. And the team at Fleece and Thank You and our hundreds of thousands of volunteers are committed to being there for these kids, for making sure that they feel supported from the outside world, that they know that they are not forgotten. This is what makes Fleece and Thank You so powerful. I'm going to kick it over to Paul for a second. Paul, what excites you most about what Fleece and Thank You has been able to do since you came on early in 2017, late 2016? And what are you excited most about as you look forward to the future of where we're going? You know, it's hard not to bring up the, the world record that we set last year, um, September 21st, 2019 in, in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Um, you know, there's a lot of world records, I'm, I'm sure, that um, will continue to be broken, like longest fingernails and maybe <laughs> longest hair. But uh, to, to have a, a passion and a mission 
and be able to set uh, uh, something that's never been done before the fourth uh, fourth birthday of the charity is something pretty special. And <clears throat> we all know how that day ended and the you know perseverance of everybody there to to finish in time. So uh, I'm uh, happy to have that under our belt, and then also extremely excited to move that event from the great city of Rochester Hills to doing it at Ford Field in Detroit or Little Caesars Arena and really pull just the entire city, the entire state and expand this to all 50 states when it's all said and done. So, um, you know, I love the fact that we're, we're you know, we're working 24 seven to provide this uh, this mission to the children. Um, and in the future, I, I'm looking forward to the, the big picture and the big uh, big goals that we have that I know we'll set. To really describe and explain the impact that Fleece and Thank You has, I think it's best explained through a story. So I'm gonna share this story with you as we wrap up our premiere episode. Um, and you know, all the best stories have a hero. You think about some of your heroes in your life from the fictional to the real people. Uh, the hero in this story is called Chloe. You know, a hero is typically on a journey of some kind. They encounter an obstacle and they find some way to prevail. And so the hero in this story, Chloe, we'll say she's 15 years old, might sound familiar. Now, Chloe's had a pain in the back of her knee for a couple weeks. She finally tells her mom about it. Her parents decide to take her to the hospital, and after several hours of x-rays and tests, doctors are giving Chloe and her family a cancer diagnosis. Minutes later, they're walking into a room to start treatment, and this is where the hero of our story meets the villain. And as we know, every great hero does have a villain to overcome. The villain in this story is the scary hospital room, the cold white sheets, the plain beige wallpaper, the beeping monitors. We're asking Chloe, our hero, to beat an illness, and she already feels defeated just by entering the hospital room. Couple this intimidating atmosphere with what we know to be true, that after the first couple weeks of calls, visits, and messages, that routine daily check-in and support will start to go away. And Chloe will feel like she's battling this all by herself. But luckily, the hero of our story has a powerful resource. Because every great hero also has a sidekick. But this is where we need your help. At Felice and Thank You, we believe that we can change this story for kids like Chloe, the true heroes by giving them a sidekick. And that sidekick is you. That sidekick is a colorful, comfortable fleece blanket along with a friend that sent them a video message. Through our blanket making program, we are on a mission to make sure that every child and hero like Chloe gets guaranteed color and comfort in the form of a fleece blanket when they begin their hospital stay. And even more than just the color and comfort, we are trying to guarantee that they have connection. 
And as we expand our suite of programs and services for kids in the hospital, from blankets to anything else that comes after that, we always, 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 the core of what we do, have those heroes like Chloe at top of mind to serve them as best as possible. To the many, many people that have helped so far, to the many people that will help moving forward, and to everyone that listens to this episode, thank you everyone for being a part of our fabric. We'll talk to you guys next time.